Hi, I'm Jane Stahl, retired high school English teacher and director of community relations at Studio B Fine Art Gallery in Boyertown, Pennsylvania. And this is the Be Inspired podcast. My guest and I hope that in the few minutes you spend with us, you'll be surprised and delighted to meet someone new, become aware of projects going on in your neighborhood, and maybe entertain a new way to look at the world. Look, we all need to keep our spirits up in these challenging times, and I can't think of a better way to lift up our spirits than to meet interesting, passionate folks and learn about what they're doing to make life better for all of us. And so, join me now for the Be Inspired podcast. Hello, Brianne. Hi, Jane. How are you this morning? <laughs> I'm very good. I am so excited to talk to you today. Hi. Listen, I just want to welcome my Be Inspired podcast audience to a conversation with a woman I've known for, I don't know, what, 20 years, something like that. <laughs> it's been and we are, we are having our very first phone conversation today. Brianne Hogger, is that correct? Uh, pronounced correctly it's brian but yes brian Brian, okay brian uh hogger from chicago illinois is my contact for the bear fever project over the past 20 years is that right yeah it's been almost (laughs) 20 years it's hard to believe that but (laughs) (laughs) but anyway i am so excited to talk to you today and i'm so excited for my bear fever uh, patrons and fans to get to know a little bit about what you do in Chicago, Illinois, to get the bears ready to come to Boyertown. But first of all, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell me about your history. When did you get connected with cow painters? Yeah, sure. It's uh, um, so I moved to Chicago in two. Okay. Um, so I came here believing I was going to pursue a PhD in art history. And I was in the program at UIC for a number of years and I um, finished my I wasn't very happy and I, I dropped out. Um, and like, what am I doing with my life? I saw an advertisement for a job. <laughs> um, uh, as an illustrator. And um, I had gone to graduate school to um, get an art history degree, thinking I could actually maybe find work in a museum or something that way. But I've always really, um, deep in my heart, feel like I'm a maker, right? And I just felt like wow. this need to step away from um, the program was me just not being completely honest with who I was and who I wanted to be. And so I applied to this job, this illustrator job, and they called me in for an interview. And who interviewed me? (laughs) Christine O'Brien, the the owner. Right, right, right. And um, they offered me the job. And I started in 2007. So it's actually not been a full 20 years, Jane, if I must confess, but it's, we're working on on (laughs) a lot of years. (laughs) That's the story. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Where are you from originally? I grew up in Pennsylvania, actually. Get uh, out. Where? Um, Somerset County. Well, that's Western Pennsylvania. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, it's a very tippy end of the Appalachians. Oh, my goodness. Well, yes, I remember Chris. She was my first contact with with cow painters. And that's so exciting. So you may or may not know, my listeners certainly do, but um, I taught high school for 35 years, shall we say. And I always, in my interviews with people, like to ask them what they wanted to, what they figured they'd be doing when they were in high school and ready to graduate. So you call yourself a maker. Is that right? Well, you know, Yes, I guess. I mean, and, I, and so in <laughs> high school, in high school, did you take lots of art classes and were you creating art at that particular time? Yeah, well, I, um, I always have had a really um, profound relationship with drawing. Okay. And I was drawing from the time I could hold a pencil, I think. Um, uh-huh. I just It's just been like part of just being me, I guess, I would say. <laughs> well, I know that I ask you from time to time, you know, when my um, when my sponsors have an idea for a bear and I will connect with you and say, can you can you design, can you draw something for them to give them an idea of what their bear may like? So that makes sense in our relationship. That is just so very cool. That is so very cool. So um, in your job now, um, you facilitate people like me ordering bears, ordering uh, fiberglass sculptures. Is that right? Yeah. Well, actually, I own the company now. Um, but Do you really? Yeah, wow. Well, when did that happen? Um, 2018. Well, of course, uh, right before the pandemic hit. <laughs> oh, lucky <laughs> you. It's been, you know, uh, uh, you know, quite a few years. But yeah, so, you know, I... Um, I kind of, yeah, so to answer your first question, um, m- what I do now is kind of everything, but um, right. what I did um, when I started was, um, yeah, I would guide people through the process of custom creation from okay. the moment of an idea, um, you know, based because everybody comes in with a different um, level of, uh, development with their ideas, I would say. And so if you are in a, a level of development where you don't have any visuals ready, I can help you with that. I can do drawings. I can do little sculptures. Um, we can now I actually um, work with a person who's a 3D modeler, which means he uses um, a 3D program called ZBrush. And that actually has ended up being a really excellent path for people who are going to do a custom piece because from scratch, I should say, because um, we can then use that 3D model once it really suits the vision of somebody to then have it cut out of yeah. foam. Yeah. Um, and so that that's just such an efficient pathway that it's hard to say no to something like that. But <laughs> right. 
Right. Yes, you know, we gather visual references and um, kind of have conversations and kind of exchange information until there's a, a correctness that everybody agrees on, mostly the client, obviously. You know, I do give some input in terms of what um, fiberglass is best suited for and also mm -hmm. just for the life of the piece itself, how to, you know, make choices that help extend the the positive life of a of an object because i kind of have this philosophy that um a piece that lives in the world in a really um, well received and positive way is kind of like the best way for somebody to find me and and let me do that kind of work again so to speak. that's that's so exciting now you've been shepherding shall we say a variety how many projects have you shepherded through their actual you know um initiation yeah that's a question that's going to be hard for me to answer honestly because <laughs> i don't really i haven't counted but hundreds and hundreds <laughs> definitely lots yeah yeah, yeah 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 so are you uh, wow I mean, when you get an order from someone like me, okay, and as you say, everybody's in a different place in the development of their project and so forth. But, you know, the challenges of figuring out what people want their sculptures to look like has to be kind of entertaining. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of what I do. Is it really? Yeah, I love, I love the challenge of understanding what somebody wants. Um, or conversely, if they have um, if they have something in mind, being able to turn it into something that I can actually help them make. So, like for instance, um, I often have universities come to Cal Painters looking for a three D representation of a mascot that has not really been made into a three D representation, and I love that challenge. I find that just very satisfying um, to you know, make into three dimensions something that was never made into three dimensions, how to interpret things. I, that's one of my favorite parts of, of the whole process, for sure. Now, you don't actually work with the fiberglass yourself, do you? I only do the sculpting side of things. And then I do on the... Um, you know, for your uh, particular project... Yes. The bears... Um, you know, I work with Orlandi um, Statuary. I'm sure you're familiar with their name because you've been around so long. They mm -hmm. do our fiberglass production. But then I go, you know, they're here in Chicago. They're just a few miles from where we um, have our office. And I yeah. go over there quite regularly, especially doing custom projects. And we, um, you know, make sure everything's going right and things like that. But with custom pieces like your bears, where we're actually kind of using... Uh, standard form like the upright bear mostly although sometimes it's been a sitting bear a time or two I seem to recall a bear with a something on its head like a, yes, yes, yes. And a <laughs> thermometer and then one wearing a skirt I think and yes 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 uh, there might have been a few others but um, I know mostly we do the um, alterations on the upright bear um, right. and um, sometimes I do the sculpt work on those um, because I occasionally they do it, but I have to go, sometimes have to go in and refine it a little because it's unsatisfactory. 
Well, <laughs> well, I tell you, um, the 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 art gallery and studio that I help with, the gallery director Susan Bebeck is currently working on an upright bear for a sponsor in town, and um, she wants to put some headgear on this particular bear. Uh-huh. And I promised I would I would run this idea by you. If she took a trip to Chicago, because she has friends there, mm-hmm. if she took a trip to Chicago, could she visit the um, <clears throat> where the bears are actually sculpted and created? Yeah. To learn the process a little bit or to watch and ask questions and learn the process of how she would go about adding headgear to her particular bear. Would that be possible? Uh, yes, but... Um, I would suggest that, um, let me see how to word this. So it makes sense. <laughs> so I'm not, so I don't sound negative, but so the way that we do production is a type of production called hand layup and it requires a mold okay. and for your, for, for Susan, did I hear, do I re- remember her name, right? Susan? Susan. Susan. Yep. Um, that probably in a much easier pathway for her would be to do a sculpt um, out of a different type of material rather than trying to make a mold and then doing hand layup and okay. connecting that to her bear. And she could do that. That's a very long and extensive process um, okay. that might really be overkill for what she's trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing to right, right. I, and, I, and I think she's as curious as anything to visit with cow painters and just see what the whole facility looks like and what the process looks like and so forth because she's very much what she calls herself is an art supplies junkie so she likes learning how <laughs> yes. to do things <laughs> I have the same disease yes I love, I, yeah I'm full my house my basement is overrun with different really Material. I love it. I love it. <laughs> For sure. But I would say that, I mean, she, I mean, the bottom line is, yeah, of course. I mean, anybody can come and visit. Um, okay, great. Yep. Visit the factory. But would it be productive toward her project? I am not entirely sure that I would recommend that. Gotcha. A, a way of going about her particular problem that I would gotcha. see you know, what she's looking to do. Gotcha. Well, we have another gentleman in town who has done restoration, uh, not restoration, but um, uh, changed up the form. I mean, cut the head off and, and re, (laughs) you know, did it to his, what he had in mind for his particular sculpture. And he has added uh, headgear and assorted other things and as you I think are suggesting has mm-hmm. taken an object like a, 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 um, a hat of some kind or uh, you know a cap of some kind and you know worked with that right instead of creating a mold itself yeah so very good very good well I will be delighted and I know Susan will probably listen to this podcast to listen to you but share with her your idea and you may at some point see her. <laughs> that would be <laughs> awesome. would be really fun. <laughs> yeah, I fun love meeting. For you to meet somebody from, you know, from, from the Bear Fever Project. Now, let me ask you specifically, 
I mean, Bear Fever has in its collection at this point over 80 sculptures. Can are we how do we fit in terms of the projects that you have been involved in over the years? I mean, do gen, generally do projects um, uh, end up with 80 some sculptures? Is that normal? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, I would say you are an outlier for a few <laughs> reasons, um, not just numbers. Um, we've had some big projects over the years, um, but more like the goals of the project. Uh, and, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So when I advise people who are looking to do a project, I always ask them, what do you want for your project? What do you hope for? Yeah. And some people are looking to raise money for an organization. And some yeah. people are looking to draw tourism. Right? Okay. And yeah. some people are looking to create a sense of community and place. And those things can all be connected. I'm not saying that they're, you know. Right, right, right. Of you course. can't do all of them. But, um, you know, if you're looking to raise money, um, you're going to want to maximize your profits and like turn over your funds as quick as possible. Right. So a right. lot of times that means they do high runs of sort of less expensive pieces that then they can auction or pre-sell and then they are not on display somewhere for a long period of time. They're on display for a season or something like that. Right. Um, and so that, that's kind of like the fundraising model. And then for people who are looking for community or um, sense of place or tourism draws, they'll do it maybe based on um, like, you know, a more uh, integrated with the rhythms of the sort of locality where, you know, there might be festivals or sort of real specific um, seasons that people come just sort of normally, maybe like, you know, it's like Chris Kindle market, or maybe it's a beach town and like the summer gotcha. yep. draw or whatever. And so they will have them on display, but maybe only for one season or two seasons or something like that. Right. And so right. you're an outlier because now we do have a couple other projects that have modeled themselves basically on bear fever because I use bear fever a lot as an example um, for what is a possibility, what you could consider. Right. Um, uh-huh. And um, actually, Newburn, um, North Carolina, kind of used Boyertown as, and they use the same bears you do, actually. Um, but because they had these wooden bears that they had carved from like tree stumps out of chainsaws, and they just kind of turned into sawdust after a few years. And no kidding, they were really sad about that. And um, they <laughs> oh. wanted, yeah, they wanted bears. Um, that would last a little longer. And they liked the fiberglass bears that we had. And I suggested that they look at your website. And um, yeah, I think they did all that. And they've been going now, and they have a model kind of similar to bear fever in that um, they add bears, you know, regularly. Yes. But they're not as organized as you are. And the people in the local area just kind of order from cow painters and then we ship them. Yeah, the um, one, two here and there kind of thing. Whereas you are way more organized about the local <laughs> businesses go through, you know, you yeah. and uh, Studio B and stuff like that. Um, and so they have, I would say they have a similar number of bears, actually. No they kidding. 
Yeah, they did lose some. And they've been going since 2009 or 2010, I think, is when they kind of started their... Very um, similar. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, another one is that's a little bit similar is Catskill, New York. And yep. they order they order like fifty to sixty cats a year and they're all over their town. And no kidding. They've been wow. They've been going now for oh my goodness. I wanna say a similar time frame, twenty ten, twenty eleven. I could look if you really want a specific date, but it's something like that. And so those places are looking to really create like a sense of local place and pride, right? Yep. And um, they they love they have it seems like an unending appetite for cats. <laughs> what a great way! To, what a great <laughs> way to express it! I just love that. That's so great. And it's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's it's really fantastic. And you know, they kind of take on their own life at that point. You know, the projects kind of become their own. Yeah entity and have their own gravity and energy and I, I love that about it because it's it really is just it's more than just a fiberglass sculpture yes. at this point yes it's, yes it's a it's part of the fiber of a community and I think that's that could you ask for anything more really like I I know, not at all it's I beautiful. Mean, you know <laughs> just great and I just love this long-term relationship that we have enjoyed really with with cow painters so it's been great we love these types of relationships that we have and we feel that you know despite and you know despite the ups and downs of the last couple years it's just been such a wonderful thing to be able to keep going and keep having these beautiful relationships because they really make the job not a job they make it i know yeah it becomes yeah it becomes part of your social circle too for sure yeah. Yep. Not, not only that, but you know, there's, there's creativity of course embedded in the whole process and there's socialization embedded in the process and it makes it a full ex- lifetime experience. It's just been great. Just been great. Now you mentioned a couple of years, the last couple of years with the pandemic and all that, how did that must've affected things? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, from, I mean, it's just kind of been like a, um, gosh, how do I say this? Um, it's just kind of been an ongoing, evolving, devolving, evolving <laughs> kind of <laughs> set of circumstances, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah. we're shut down. Oh, we're, now we can open again. Now we're shut down again. Oh, oh my. Uh, yeah. by the way, you can't get materials. Um, oh, by the way, we can get them like one out of every four times we order them, but now they cost hundred and sixty percent as much as they did. Oh, wow. no, uh, there's no steel anywhere to be found. Oh, now we can't get resin for some reason for a little while. So it was just been like, wow. And then like there was um, a sort of few waves of um, employee situations where, um, you know, people weren't really interested in working because of um, the fear of COVID and um, right ended up um, just making things very, very slow in terms of production and yeah. difficult. And so concurrent to that, though, which was unexpected and weird, was an extreme desire on the part of my customers to want as many fiberglass sculptures as they could get. And yet <laughs> I could not 
provide them. So um, that was the source of a lot of sort of angst and tension in terms of customer relationships, because there was, you know, like, who has that problem? Right. <laughs> you know, like it's not right. So yeah. have yep. more demand than supply. At least it has not been my experience, you know, in right. all the years I've been doing this. Right. That that well, was the issue, you know, my husband works with realtors in the area and they have in some ways, not all certainly, but in some ways a similar experience. There are people who want to move or the want to buy houses and they're just not around. There's no, yeah, there's not. And, 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 you know, and uh, sellers can, you know, really inflate the price of their property because there's such a high demand. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's incredible what we've experienced over the past couple of years. I mean, really, really, as you say, created some tensions in a variety of different areas in many ways. Yeah. And wow, like, um, I'm very grateful that, you know, it's the, I mean, you know, if I, if I was being really frank, I would just call it a shit show. I'm just really yep. grateful that it's, yep. um, it's passing. I mean, right. still, like, right. little corners of it that sort of reach out to get you sometimes, you know, yep. Right? Yep. Yep. you don't want it to be, you want it to be over, but <laughs> it's not <laughs> over kind of thing, but it's so much better that it's hard not to be grateful for that. That's, right? that's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic that, you know, things are kind of normalizing and you can sleep better at night, huh? <laughs> well, you can see it coming. You can see a picture that's more stable coming. And whereas before there was, you know, 18 to 24 months of just, you know, complete and utter like uncertainty. I mean, there's always uncertainty, you know, like, right, you right. Believe if you believe in certainty, I think you're a little bit delusional, actually. But like, <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, there, there's nothing, you know, you can count on change, period. Yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good. Well, I was going to ask you, one of my questions was to ask you about the challenges, about the inordinate challenges that owning this particular business has presented to you. But certainly you've mentioned the challenges throughout the entire pandemic um, years. But aside from that, you know, it, when things are a little more stable, what are the what are the challenges that you that you face? Oh, that's a really great question, um, an interesting one actually. So, from my perspective, you know, I really value um, my team, right? Okay. And um, you know, people move on sometimes because right. you know d- their lives change, and that's totally understandable. And I think one of the biggest challenges is then finding a replacement for that very sort of white right. that people right. leave when they move on. Um, because there's always, you know, there's always a lot of considerations when you bring somebody on board to um, try to um, get them up to speed in terms of, you know, um, just duties and expectations. And then also, you know, the fit of um, somebody's um personality and things like that and it's a small team I mean there's only a few of us um so yeah those are challenges you know that's always a challenge is like um finding good uh, good teammates um and then beyond that I would say um you know that it seems like 
you're always trying to, at least I am always trying to ask myself like, well, what kind of, what kind of growth do I want to have? What kind yes. of do I want to go in? And like, um, what are those goals? And then how do I get to them? You know, yeah. like what falls in line with those things? And the last few years have really just put those on the, so far back on the back burner that right. like the pots fell off the stove, you know? And yes. so now that we're back into a situation where um, things are sort of stabilizing, I find myself asking that question again, like, Oh, what, what, do we, what, where should we go? Like, what, what do we want to have happen in the next say five okay. years or something like that. And um, I'm still answering this question. <laughs> I, I don't have an answer to that yet. You know, I'm still- Well, thinking. you know, what are the possibilities? Let's talk yeah. about that for a moment. What are the possibilities for goals? Yeah, those are great. That you're entertaining. Yeah, I'd really like to um, expand um, into different markets. We have a pretty robust um, ability to service most of North America. Wow. Um, but- um, it'd be so cool to have like Australia or something like that. Wow. And I have some connections in Australia. Australia isn't particularly well serviced in terms of like production. Um, they're really. Now, would, you, would you have a production facility then in Australia? Is that <laughs> what you're thinking? Don't, don't know. Question mark, question mark. Not sure. <laughs> that would allow some really interesting vacations, don't you think? <laughs> well, you got to think about that too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. There are definitely underserved markets. Australia, I think, is one of them. Parts of yeah. Africa, for sure, could potentially be markets. But you have to be really careful about, like, what your goals are and, like, are, yes. are they important to you? Are they important to the local people? Are they going to be yeah. well-received? Like, is it a need there? You know, yeah. what I mean? like you have to really think about those things, but that's how I, it, it, I mean, I believe in ethical growth, right? Like I think you want to be, um, you really want to be thoughtful about those kinds of things. And honestly, like I'm not a, I'm not in the position of um, wanting to like take over the whole world, but it's just, just right, right, right. Like if you're asking like what's possible, yeah. I mean, anything's possible, I guess. <laughs> um, well, you know, thinking about that sort of thing, you know, would not be in my realm. You know, I'm such a homebody and happy enough here in Pennsylvania. And to think about to think about expanding to another country would be totally out there for me. But I'm always interested in other people, you know, like what? what they envision to be, you know, their futures, their goals and so forth. So for you, one of the possibility is, is expanding to other countries beyond North America. What else? Um, yeah. Well, with expansion, like it would be really nice to fill out um, teams and maybe do some warehousing in different places. So we had better. So these are very big goals, Jane, by the way. So, what was that? They're very big goals. So yes, I understand. <laughs> um, but it would be nice to have some warehousing and some strategic locations where we have right. um, areas where we could serve people a little better, a little faster. Part of the problem, I think, is when you do a lot of custom work like we do, we do have a really robust inventory, but um, a lot of people come to us and they want something unique. And so we really aren't 
like we're really I don't know how to say this like well we're we're in this we're in this business where we are sort of um we're never going to be like selling um thousands and thousands of just one piece right right like we sell um a hundred of something and that's Mm -hmm. good you know a year yep 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 and so because we don't have a tremendous amount of volume like making a lot of things and you have a lot of of assets and inventory can be kind of risky yeah. because you never know. Like you don't know, right? You never know. Like one year it's a pig year, and like you sell right pigs, and like the next year it's a frog year, and you right. sell frogs, and like one year it's a bear year. <laughs> you know, like you really never know. <laughs> I it understand. Comes, yep. It comes in waves. Like really, like a very interesting. Like yes, yes. Like, what why? is your most? What is the most popular of your animals or? things um if it isn't the 104 bear it's it's got to be a tie between the 104 bear the standing horse and our very large bulldog we probably sell more bulldogs no kidding across the board yeah there's um you know georgia they love bulldogs in georgia and there's a lot of bulldog mascots actually across the country so um, those are very popular and they're great pieces in terms of um stability so they're very strong they're very wide like they they really take a lot of um, fan love. Let's call it fan love. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, that's a wonderful way to express it. I know because we, you know, I see children and sometimes adults, I'm sorry to say, climbing on our bears. <laughs> the right. ones that are on four legs. So, yeah, fan love. That's great. I like that. And, you know, that can go badly. Yes, it can. It can yep. go badly for the climber and it can go badly for the piece. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. This has just been so much fun. Now, I, I, I wanted to ask you, how old is your daughter now? She's 11. Oh, my goodness. I remember. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She'll be in college just any day now. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't say that, Jane. <laughs> I understand. Now, one question I will ask on behalf of my sponsors, you know, I know things are kind of normalizing just a little bit. And we have been one of the projects that has asked for custom things on our particular bears. Do you see that happening again anytime soon? I do think so. Yeah, we're we're getting back to a picture where we can finally, I think, take on I um, I really had to, unfortunately, during most of the sort of height of the pandemic, had to say I can't do right. custom work because we were just, um, like I was explaining, like we our supply, our ability to supply things was so limited. But things are definitely easing up. And um, I do see, I would say in this fiscal year, we should be able to start taking on custom work again, which is great because it's so much fun for me. Oh, it is. Yeah. And my <clears throat> my patrons really enjoy the opportunity and the, you know, to, to design something really special for themselves. So and it's nice to know that it's like done by the factory that made the bear. I think that yeah. Yeah. when the yeah. resins and the fibers are all the same, it really does. I think it really does help extend the longevity of the piece. And that's always, that's always 
you know, it makes it, a, it does make it a little, I think, more mm, solid over the. I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for joining me <laughs> on the Be Inspired podcast today. And I have looked forward to chatting with you um, for a long time now. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so fun, Jane. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me and for thinking of me. And I now, just... listen, I do need to ask, though, I was looking on the website, on the Cal Painters website and on Cal Painters Facebook, and there are no photos of you. Is it possible? <laughs> is it possible for you to send me a couple of photos? I can send you some photos. I'm a little camera shy. I am too. I hate having my photo taken, but I do. But 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 perhaps behind a sculpture. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely send you some pictures, Jane. I'm okay. Uh, it's great. it's not a. It's just. I don't know. I just feel, always feel awkward when I'm. Well, for me, that. for me, I am so vain. I'm. I don't mind telling people that I am so vain that, you know, I see myself in my head still as 23 years old, and I'm no longer 23 years old. It is and quite so a disappointment, when, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I totally understand um, the uh, the feelings of awkwardness, as you put it, having your photo taken. But I will look forward to a couple. Okay? Definitely. It All has right. been such a pleasure, Jane. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And, you know, let us hope for a continuing future. Okay? Yes. Onward always. All right. Take care now. Okay. Bye, Jane. Bye-bye. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Be Inspired podcast. If you enjoyed the Be Inspired podcast, please subscribe to be notified of new episodes. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And we welcome you to suggest people, projects, and perceptions that inspire you. What the world needs now is inspiration. Contact me, Jane Stahl, at studiobbb.org or stop by Studio B. More information can be found in the episode notes. We are eager to meet you and learn what it is you love. This is the end of today's episode, and I hope you find your way today to be inspired. Hello, Be Inspired audience. I'm here today at Bouse's Catering, is that correct? In Pottstown. In Pottstown. With Amy Bouse and with Amy Bouse Bartra. Okay. Right. And Aaron Bouse. Exactly. Okay. So you have been here at this, maybe not at this location, but you've been doing this for how long now? Tell us a little bit about it. We've been in business for 34 years. What? 34 years. 34 uh, years. Right. Holy cow. Yeah. We started at the farmer's market. Okay. And, um... The catering grew out of the farmer's market. and um, Now, when you said you started at the farmer's market, what were you doing at the farmer's market? We sold meals to go. We sold loaves of bread, desserts, salads. No at the Right, exactly. So we would go every week. Wow. Had a deli case and sold out of the deli case. Okay. And the catering grew out of that. People got to know us that way. Okay. And we began doing larger and larger events. Um, and... 
at a certain point when we had children, something had to give because we wanted to do what we did well. Okay. And so we stopped doing the farmer's market okay. to do the catering okay. and um, pivoted back to Meals to Go once the <laughs> pandemic began. So. Is that right? That, that changed things a lot for you? Quite a bit. Quite a bit yeah. because, you know, by nature, we served large groups of people. Right. And that people were not gathering. No, even so in much. small groups back <laughs> in the day. Exactly. And so you're back to meals to go. Do you ever see yourself getting back into the catering business or back into the farmer's market situation ever again? The catering we're still doing and the events are oh, grow, okay. growing again, getting oh, okay. larger with time, okay. um, doing more buffet work versus plated because through the pandemic we did a lot of individual meals, plated things. Okay. And um, so we're fortunate that that's growing as well, the meals to go and the catering. That's so. fantastic. I just am amazed that you've been doing this for 34 years. I mean, it's time to retire, no? <laughs> We have a little bit of time, but we're very, very blessed to do what we do and to have amazing customers who have supported us from the farmer's market. And no we've kidding. done their weddings and graduation parties and milestone events. And now there are customers for Meals to Go. So we're so, so fortunate. Very good. And you are both totally involved in the business. Is that right? Correct. We, we grew up in... Uh, family businesses. Our parents had a print business. Oh, there you go. Copy fast printing. Our grandparents had uh, Bouse's Drugstore in Boyertown. And that was uncle, your grand. That was our grandfather and uncle that were the pharmacists really? and owner. Yeah. So it's just a natural progression. I feel like. Wow. Wow. So future plans. Future plans to keep growing the meals to go, to widen our delivery area, to offer more gluten-free, dairy-free items, ah. larger size packaging of things so that people can entertain at home yeah. easily with our, with our meals and desserts and that kind of thing. What do you find people enjoy, order more than anything else? I'd say comfort food. Yeah. Mac and cheese. Right, that, right, or beef shepherd's pie, or, you know, this week it was the crispy coconut chicken with the dipping sauce, the apricot dipping sauce. Right, right. But we have a menu that changes every week, so we offer a lot of variety. Yes, talk about that just a little bit. So every week you have a completely different menu? We do. We open up the store, the online store, on Thursdays with a new menu, and people can order all the way through the weekend to Monday noon, and then we deliver Thursdays, or you can pick up Fridays. Oh, very, very cool. Very cool. Now, where did these recipes come from? I mean, were you natural cooks growing up as young girls? One of the things we're pretty well known for is those chocolate cake with caramel icing, and we call it our Aunt Mary's chocolate cake with caramel icing. <laughs> that was literally uh, our father's uh, aunt, Aunt Mary. It was her recipe, and okay. we, it's kind of evolved from there. And um, But there's always research and development. Our mom is great about that. And Mom's, uh, Mom was the inspiration for us to cook, I think. Mm -hmm. She's okay. the best cook of all of us. Um, okay. And she's always experimenting, always helping us with new ideas. Um, and so she was the inspiration to cook. Very good. Very good. What's your favorite thing to cook? I love to be creative. I, I love to take what's fresh and seasonal and build from there. So have you had any have you had any um any culinary Yeah, we're both graduates of the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. Very good. Um so we and we worked in restaurants in DC and Amy and some in New Jersey and so we've worked 
a number of restaurants before we started the business. Very good. Well, so. What was the biggest surprise here in starting the business? Well, I was really, we were really fortunate because dad kind of held our hands, reminded us when to pay the quarterly taxes, when the sales tax was due. Those things are important. Good for moms and dads. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, We were were just so blessed to have that kind of support. Right. And and because we grew up in in a small business family. But I don't know. What's the thing that surprised us? Hmm. It's, I think that one thing that the business has always been evolving it's always changed it's it's never the same right so, and that's what keeps it interesting and that's also what does keeps, that it did. right it does yeah it keeps it interesting it's not the same thing every day so we're not making the same meals or catering the same that, event you know different people i wondered about that you know because i'm not a cook my husband is the he enjoys it i just do it right sure i mean it's <laughs> people come to different Test in a different way, but for me it would be oh god, not meatloaf again. <laughs> like sure. you know, but I don't have the creative spirit as you do to take what's you know hanging around or whatever and playing with it. It's just not the thing that I love to do. So I am in total awe of people who love to do that. And I know people who do, in addition to my husband. So that's really cool. Now, how long have you been in this build? Can you talk a little bit about this location where you are and maybe where you started? Sure. We started, um, we would work overnight in the post office and kitchen. He would, um, a friend of ours owned the restaurant and he'd let us be there from midnight until 6 a.m. And so that's when we did production when we were going to farmer's market. Wow. Um, So we were... That was amazing to have yeah. commercial space. And then we um, had a, a smaller commercial kitchen in Kimberton for probably five or six years. Okay. And from there, we were in the old Rosenberry supermarket, which wow. is across the street from where we are now. Yeah. yeah. And from there, we bought a building uh, 18 years ago and rehabbed it, took out all the plumbing and electric, the walls. Um, and so for a while, we were caterers and construction workers. Yes. Uh, we had a great construction crew, but we were kind of did some of the grunt work behind yep. it. And we were able to design a space that was, you know. Met your needs. Exactly. In and the original yep. Rosenberry's. Right, this was the, the building oh, we're right, right now. Right. The okay. original Rosenberry supermarket. Right. There right. used to be a pie slot that went down the stairs. They would bake up here on the second floor and send the pies down the stairs and out the window. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't remember this particular building, the building you bought, yeah. as being the former Rosenberry's site. I remember it from way back across the street. Sure. Right, as yeah. did we. We grew up in the north end of Pottstown. Oh, did you? So, yes. um, Very good. Yeah. Well, speaking of growing up, when you were younger people um, in high school and junior high and so forth, did you ever imagine you would be doing this? And if not, what were your thoughts back then? Did we ever? I, I'm. I. I thought I would be cooking. Yes. Did you really? Um. Didn't imagine. Probably restaurant would be what I was thinking about. Had no okay. um, interest or knew nothing about catering. Yeah. Um, we had always gone to farmers markets growing up. Okay. With, um. To to purchase things. So that was kind of a natural progression. Yeah. By the time. But you always but, knew you wanted to be playing with food. Yes, because um, mom and dad had a print shop, and I, I right. we would work there, and. 
I was not mechanical. I was horrible at being mechanical. <laughs> so this was something I could do. I can do this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How about you? You know, I, I had a hard time. I struggled in high school to figure out what I wanted to do. But then when Erin was at the Culinary Institute of America, I would visit her a few weekends and I just loved it. It was such a great, positive, growing environment that I knew that that's what I wanted to go do. So no I guess two and a half years later, okay. I went to the culinary. We both worked at the Coventry Forge Inn, which was a French restaurant, uh, well-known uh, in Philadelphia area, kind of up and down the East Coast. Um, no kidding. Um, but what is that, 40 years ago? <laughs> well, are you doing French here recipes? In, here and there. Mm-hmm. Here um, and there. But it, that's kind of the beauty of what we get to do in catering. Mm-hmm. We, the menu always changes. People want to do some, a menu specific. Yes. especially for weddings or yes. specific to their their interests or their needs, combining mm-hmm. cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the Meals to Go, every week we get to try a different French or, you know, a Peruvian or really? barbecue. or oh, So that cool. just keeps it fun. And, so. cre- and creative as well. Now, do you Absolutely. do wedding? You do wedding catering. Do you do cakes too? Mm-hmm. Amy does uh, lots of special occasion cakes. Um, oh, I worked very at, good. When I graduated from the culinary, I went to work at a French patisserie in Wayne, and then in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and we did all kinds of cakes. And so um, it, it, it's, it's nice to be able to do a lot of different facets. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you, I, I have to tell my audience, um, it smells so good in here. <laughs> Who's in charge of the cookies? That would be Amy. It's a chocolate caramel cookie, so that's what it smells oh, like. Well, it just, they, they smell wonderful. Oh, <laughs> I mean, great. one could be here for a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me a little bit more about some of the entrees that you offer so that people know as they are planning their summer parties, as they are planning maybe weddings or showers or whatever, Tell me some of the things that are included, let's say, in a buffet. Sure. Um, So for catering, we generally write the menus for each event. Um, But, you know, we do a grilled lemon garlic chicken that was maybe gluten-free and dairy-free. We can do, you know, pair it with maybe a beef lasagna. We can also do gluten-free because so many folks have dietary um, issues. And so the more dairy-free, gluten-free items we can include in a catering buffet, the better it is for the clients because they are accommodating all of their guests' um, needs. Do you do vegan so, at all? We do. We do, do you really? Which yeah. is, and Amy makes an amazing vegan chocolate cake. So, um, <laughs> Whoa. Actually, this is good to know. Yeah. Do you do a vegan banana cake yet? My son loves, he's a vegan. Oh, great. I love banana cakes. I'll have you, to experiment. I can absolutely do that. Sure. Do. Oh, good. That would be great. good. Now, actually, his birthday is not till January, so you have some okay. time <laughs> <laughs> to experiment with this. So how many, how many meals do you end up serving in a week usually? Really depends. Less, I mean, if you're if you're talking about meals to go. Or, yes. Um, right. Anywhere from, you know, 100 to 300 Okay, um, and then, and but then there's soups and I'm sorry, that's okay. okay. No, there's soups and salads and breads and, and breads, desserts and, and cookies. Right, exactly. And, and so yeah. we deliver from from Boyertown and Gilbertsville to Chester Springs to Limerick, Royersford, Douglasville. Um, we have a really wonderful um, delivery gentleman, Charlie, who delivers the orders to the delivers door. Delivers all of them, no matter where they go. He in does, all that and with area. a smile. Charlie is amazing, <laughs> the greatest of all times. So that's what he's. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> now I wonder so, if he always dreamed he would be delivering food. <laughs> We'll have to ask them. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a good question. That's very good. Now, for how long was it just the two of you? Or have you always had employees? You have two We've employees. Always had employees. Always had employees. You always had employees. We're seven total. Seven. Okay. Um, so we have five part-time um, okay. folks that come in and do prep and packaging. And, um, and then we have another... A couple of people who go out and work catering jobs when we need, and we have a ah health, yes yes, yes right. there's that exactly yeah, so, yeah. and we yeah. have a healthy snack program for elementary schools that I was going um, to ask if you serve any like uh, institutions yeah we um, the the healthy snack program um, is packaged per classroom uh, a fresh fruit or vegetable every week we use local where possible. And um, we introduce the kids to fresh fruits and veggies and why it's better to eat those, you know, than not. And, and it's really been fun to see the excitement of the kids, believe yeah. it or not, trying new things. No kidding. And the, the kind of the peer pressure in the classroom, you know, if one will try it, the other one will try it. No kidding. Um, and now, do you go in as like a workshoppy kind of thing or a presentation kind of thing? We have done a farmer's market style with fresh fruits and vegetables oh, um, cool. to kind of introduce the kids. Yeah. Um, that we've paired with Pastown Tennis to do events like okay. that. But we package per classroom for the schools. Okay. Um, so each teacher gets the snack, which is portions, and the napkins and the plates, and the okay. information about why why you should eat it. Okay. And so it's it's been fun. We have an elementary school down the street, and okay. who we deliver to, and it's been fun to see the kids walking home, and they're like, "Hey, we tried," <laughs> you know. Right. right. They actually right. have asked us, you know, when are you going to send that sun butter again? Or we really like the cara cara oranges or. The My. watermelon radishes. When are you doing that? Yeah. So, no kidding. <laughs> which has really been so nice to now, see that reaction. Now, I was at Leslie's yesterday, as a matter of fact. We just had a little visit, and she sent me home with a really funny-looking orange, which had a funny little top on it. Do you know what that is? Hmm. hmm. Like a belly button on Yes. Top. Hmm. Not off the it's top of my head. I asked her, what kind of orange is this? And her only response was, a large one. <laughs> But I, uh, I have not had the time to spend any, any research, you know, to do any research on it. But I need to. And it's all wrinkly. So what's a cara cara orange? Oh, it's, it's got a tart and sweet flavor and it's a deep orange. It's okay. got a really nice deep orange color to it. And locally grown? Not no. that. Not the citrus. I wouldn't think but, so. But we go to the... Um, Leola produce auction. Right, exactly. And so we'll buy broccoli from a local farmer and we'll cut it all down and, you know, wash it and prep it and try to do some kind of a, an interesting dip to go with it. Like, for instance, um, we did a broccoli pesto without the nuts a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. to go with one of the veggies. And just to introduce the kids in other ways to use fresh fruits and vegetables besides just eating them raw. So That's really... Or even yeah. we did, you know, the local green beans and just had the kids eat them raw, which I love fun. raw yeah. green beans uh -huh. yes. yeah. and pea pods and mm -hmm. yes. all kinds of things <laughs> like that. I try yeah. to stay away from the dip because it ends up on my hips. What ah. can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Very good. Very good. So um, do you do you ever advertise for help? I mean, is there a help wanted kind of sign by the door? We've, we're always looking for, for 
people to help out, but we've been lucky that friends or clients have said, this person is, we would know, is, yeah, exactly. Would be so good. we've been lucky that way. We're, we're always looking for culinary yeah. help, absolutely. Very good. Very good. So, now, what do you do you. for fun? I like to garden. I have three dogs. I like to walk. Um, I have a grandson, so I like to read. Wow. Yeah. And how about you, Anne? Love to read cookbooks, experiment. With Do you really? Sure, absolutely. Oh, my, my mother used to spend hours clipping coupons, you know, from different magazines or newspapers or whatever. And I always admired that. You know, once again, it's not my thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And funny thing uh, was that uh, she one time created what she called turkey fruit salad that became. <laughs> That became a joke. <laughs> Turkey and fruit salad. And mm. fruit salad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which I found amazing. And I was at the Ironstone, which is a new restaurant in Boyertown. They t- I don't know if you're familiar with much with Boyertown, but Durango's is now the oh. Ironstone. Oh. And I was in there a week or so ago, had scallops and with little chunks of apple. Who'd have oh. thought? Sure. That's what I admire. And it was delicious. And the uh-huh. sauce that went with it was delicious. Probably went right to my hips again. But it's <laughs> but apple. Wow. Scal- Isn't it interesting? I mean, when, when she brought the plate, I thought, oh, little potatoes. Mm-mm. Oh, Pieces of, I believe, Granny Smith apples, something like that. It was nice really surprise. interesting. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. It's good. Okay. So in the end, then, what would you like the greater community to know about Bows Creative Room? We provide a fresh meal service with a weekly changing menu. Mm-hmm. Um, we deliver. Yeah. We're packaging menus for inter- home entertaining. We do gluten-free, dairy-free. Um, and, and vegan, too. And vegan, too. <laughs> yeah. And I noticed the bags downstairs in which you package your to-go yes. menus. We, we package the orders in insulated bags, and yeah. we ice pack all the orders. So that when the customers pick them up, um, everything stays fresh and cold. Or when we deliver them, uh, yes. everything stays fresh and cold. And then they return the bag. Okay, um, that's to eliminate I wanted waste. to know. Yep. Right, exactly. So that's worked out quite well. Very good. How about you? What would you like folks to know, most of all? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think Aaron covered it pretty well. Um, I think that uh, we've been really fortunate to have such great customers over the years to have supported us and have even supported the local hospital. During the pandemic, we started by donating meals uh, to the hospital workers. So every week uh, we deliver meals to them and they take them to different departments in the hospital. And so it's really been a blessing to see how the community has not only supported us, but supported, supported the hospital through that difficult time during the pandemic. And still, still this week, we're, you know, delivering 15 meals to the hospital that were donated by our clients. Donated by your clients. Correct. Yeah. So when they, when they order online, they can opt in to donate a meal to the hospital. Very good. Very good. And your online address? We're at Bouse Meals to Go for the online store. Okay. The website for catering is bousecatering.com. Okay. That sounds simple. Mm -hmm. I think I might be able to remember that. (laughs) Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us on the Be Inspired podcast. It's been a pleasure. 
Hello, Be Inspired Podcast. This is just checking to see if things are recording. Thank you.